0: River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org. This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, the Star Talk report produced by Keith Hubbard highlights the autumn equinox. Bee muralist and painter Matt Willey shares the importance of hive consciousness in anticipation of this year's Honeybee Festival happening on Saturday, September 25th. We'll hear some remarks by Bee Lion ice cream purveyor Mark Randall, who gave a presentation at the Union in Narrowsburg, New York in late July on the importance of honeybees. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country here on Radio Catskill. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from
1: NPR News, I'm Barbara Klein. Some Americans may soon be able to get a third dose of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. But NPR's Joe Palco reports the booster rollout will likely be different than what the Biden administration originally had in mind.
2: President Biden has said he wants to see all Americans have access to a booster dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. Pfizer applied to the FDA for permission to offer a third dose of its vaccine to all Americans 16 and up, But an independent panel of experts that advises FDA rejected that request, saying there isn't enough evidence that a booster was needed for everyone. Instead, the panel endorsed giving a third shot to people 65 or older and to people at high risk of severe disease either because of their health status or job, Healthcare workers, for example. FDA doesn't have to take the panel's advice, but it generally does. Joe Palka, NPR News.
1: In the small Texas border town of Del Rio, some 10,000 Haitian migrants are waiting to be processed by U.S. immigration. Washington Post-Texas correspondent Aurelia Hernandez says some recently traveled to Mexico, but others have been in Latin America for some time. They have been
3: traveling uh, throughout South America, going to countries that will give them identification papers like Chile, like Brazil, working there and trying to build their finances so they could finally make that trip up north to the United States where many of them have family.
1: The Associated Press reports the Biden administration is planning to expel the migrants by flying them to Haiti in a series of flights beginning tomorrow. In the meantime, authorities have closed traffic to vehicles and pedestrians in both directions at Del Rio's only border crossing with Mexico. Security is ramped up today in Washington, D.C., ahead of a far-right demonstration in support of those criminally charged in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. The rally is due to start next hour. NPR's Claudia Grisales reports law enforcement officials are expressing confidence they can handle whatever the day brings. While Congress is not in session and some security officials have said violence is not expected, perimeter fencing has returned to the Capitol and the D.C. National Guard will be on standby. U.S. Capitol Police Chief Tom Manger says his officers are ready.
4: Over the last eight months, the leadership of the U.S. Capitol Police Department has been preparing, working to ensure that We don't have a repeat of January 6th.
1: Manger and other security officials said one area of concern remains the potential for clashes between far-right demonstrators and counter-protesters who are expected to turn out for the event. Claudia Grisales, NPR News, Washington. This is NPR.
3: Support comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles, as well as Rustic Collections with showrooms at Lake and downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com
0: This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, bee muralist and painter Matt Willey shares the importance of hive consciousness in anticipation of this year's Navesburg Honeybee Festival. Happening on Saturday, September 25th. Then we'll hear some remarks by Beeline ice cream creator Mark Randall. He gave a presentation on the importance of honeybees at the Union in late July. But first, here is Keith Hubbard's Star Talk on the Autumn Equinox. Thank you for joining us for this week's locally produced Farm and Country.
4: Country, I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. At 320 PM on Wednesday, the sun will cross the celestial equator from north to south. This event is known as the autumnal equinox. There are a few interesting things that occur during an equinox. The sun will rise due east, will set due west, and will be directly overhead at the equator at noon. The autumnal equinox is a perfect day to determine due east or due west from your yard. The point where the sun meets the horizon at sunrise or sunset will be due east or due west. Also, the length of day and night are nearly equal on the equinox. We will see 12 hours and 9 minutes of daylight on the equinox. Each year there are two equinoxes. One occurs in late March and the other occurs 6 months later in late September. The equinox marks the midpoint between the Sun's lowest path across the sky and the Sun's highest path across the sky. The Earth's axis is always tilted at an angle of about 23.5 degrees in relation to the Earth's orbit. However, the tilt's orientation changes throughout the year. The equinoxes occur when the Earth's axis is perpendicular to the Sun's rays. With the sun on a southern trajectory in the sky, the sunrise will be coming later in the day, and the day itself will be getting shorter. The sun will continue to move south in the sky until late December, at which time it will reverse direction and head north. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk. This has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up.
0: For Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Rosie Starr in Narrowsburg, New York. I'm um, with installation and mural artist Matt Willey. He's here to speak with us about the 2021 Honeybee Festival. Uh, listeners may be familiar with Matt's artwork produced locally. Uh, he painted the mural on the exterior side of the post office on Main Street, and his delightful poster "Be Love" was a graphic beauty and highly prized in last year's 2020 RiverFest auction for the DVAA, the Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. Both of those creative endeavors represent the spirit. The Good of the Hive, which is his global art project and organization founded by artist Matt Willie, Matt, introduce yourself and tell us what you know about this year 's honeybee fest on saturday september twenty fifth
2: Sure, thanks for having me here My name is Matt Willie. I am an art artist, art activist, and founder of the Good of the Hive, which is an organization I built around my mission to hand-paint 50,000 honeybees in, in projects around the world. It's really murals and installations at this point.
0: Well, you do have a philosophy to ignite radical curiosity for planetary health issues through art and storytelling. You feel that the bee and her hive are artist symbols, and at the essence is it's about the activating and celebrating the power in human connection. How does your involvement in the Bee Fest reflect your philosophy?
2: Sure. My involvement in the Bee Fest reflected my philosophy. It was part of why I ended up doing the mural in the post office in the first place because Narrowsburg had been doing a, this festival for several years. It was one of the things that drew me to it. When I first talked to Joan Santo about it uh, about a year before I came and did the mural And she got me really excited about this little tiny town's enthusiasm around the honeybee. And so our missions were very similar. The thing about the Bee Fest is it's really a celebration of people, and we invite people from all over. People come up from the city, and we have events and booths. You can get honey, but you also can learn... A little bit and have some entertainment surrounding awareness around the issue of pollinators so it's it's that perfect marriage for me of the celebration aspect while we're looking at what really needs to be looked at at this point um, in terms of the environment
0: in this year 2021 because of covid and pandemic things are limiting events this year's event what can you tell us about it As far as you know, what are some of the activities planned?
2: In the past, I'm not exactly sure, but it's been more of an all-day event. And this year, we're distilling it down to a lovely afternoon and into the evening. So there will still be booths on the Main Street. And we're also partnering with the Big Eddie Film Festival to show several short films about pollinators, about what's going on with them. One of them is Pollinators Under Pressure. Uh, narrated by Leo DiCaprio it was a really important piece he did with the USDA and US Forest Service to really talk about what the issue is and show some beautiful visuals of some of these amazing creatures that i paint all the time so i am partnering with tree media to bring two of the directors I'm 90% sure they're coming but we're going to show the films I'm not exactly sure which ones but there's three pollinator films Pollinators Under Pressure Pollinators and Farms and Power Two Pollinators I believe is the other one and then two films on biomimicry maybe in the mix at least one will be and this is another way to talk about the issues but with uh, you know, the the fun of a film festival aspect. And we're partnering with the Big Eddie because they, can, they have some reach to bring people to watch, and we're going to have it upstairs at the DVAA, I think, at this point. But if you come to the festival, if people come to the festival, we'll be able to tell them in real time, whether it's there or up at the Union or how we do that. And I'm also going to give a talk about The Good of the Hive and really where I've been since Narrowsburg. So when I painted this mural, I've been to Burning Man and done a project in the desert out there, and I've been to the UK, I've been out to Southern California, and all these different projects are growing, and I'm developing a, a film for the, potentially the first show about the work. and. So I'm going to do a little talk about where we've gone since then so some of the locals might be interested because it's really their mural here in town but the philosophies like you talk about it's really important that I think that we stay in the positive some of the fun just simple fun come and get an ice cream at beeline ice cream all honey infused and amazing the cardamom is like my favorite and Everybody is playing a part in this. There's two queens, Honey and Coffee House now. They're heavily involved, and I don't even know the roster of all the other organizations and, and businesses that are joining in, but it's going to be a really fun day.
0: Yes, I did go to the website, narrowsburgbeefest.com, and they do have a vendor application that describes what vendors should apply. I would think they were looking for honey-based food and beverage and artisans of that type. Narrowsburg, New York, is a Delaware River town. It has a strong arts and cultural community with tasteful dining options. There's more than a dozen shops that line Main Street in Narrowsburg, but your part in this is very much with the film. And you mentioned Joan Santo. Who are the other organizers of
2: the Honey Bee Fest? Sure. Currently, it was started by Joan Santo, Charles Wilkin, and Martin Higgins. They've been running this for years. They know much more about how to do this than me. I'm really just the film end, and I'm going to have a booth, I think, at the festival as well. But again, it'll be mostly B-related, and I'm really trying to expand us along with the honeybee i always think of the honeybee as the gateway bug because we get the honey and we have this interaction with them but the issues are really surrounding all pollinators and paying attention to native species and native species of flowers it's this real amazing rabbit hole you can dive into when you start getting interested in it and i'm With Mark Randall from Beeline Ice Cream, uh, we're handling the entertainment sort of end of this, which I really thought if we can marry the informative and entertaining, we've got gold. So that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to give, like I said, a talk about the work and just try and get people even more excited. That's what it's about.
0: Are there any special events that you know of just for children?
2: I know there are going to be one or two, like drawing tables or coloring tables usually are there. I've often had kids just set them up with paper and pencils and crayons to, like, try and draw a bee. Sometimes I might do a class or a little moment having kids draw a bee on site or something, but um, there'll be something, I'm sure.
0: The Bee Festival always helps promote awareness, demonstration, and education about our declining bee population. Now, how is the Honey Bee Fest going to carry out this mission? What do you think is... Currently, the most important message about bees?
2: Yeah, I think it's a complex issue because declining populations are one thing. Like, there is a lot to be learned in the bigger picture of what part pollinators play in food systems and. Even climate change, there is so much going on that people are learning in real time. So I see the work of The Good of the Hive in something like the Bee Festival as opportunities for people to come and get current information. If they're talking to a beekeeper who sells honey at the festival, they're gonna learn something. They're gonna learn something they did not know before about the importance of these little tiny creatures. Because one thing I do know is if we can get them healthy, we will be healthier. It helps everything systemically. Like the healthy pollinators means you probably have healthier water systems and soil systems and food systems. So like, they're a really good gauge and there's so much happening to them that we really need to pay attention to. And it's really about getting them as optimally healthy as possible because, and I talk about this a lot with my work that a really strong, healthy pollinator force of nature out there, just doing what they automatically do and they were born to do that will support. It just is another player in the team of helping support all of the systems. So when we draw really strong attention around fun and positive energy around the bees in any way, I think it just serves us all, you know, and we need some real positive events nowadays. It's just rough out there, <laughs> let's face it, you know, and so if we're aiming at having a day of just fun and loving on the bees and looking at how beautiful they are and and sharing some of the stories about it.
0: Yes, I agree with you. Next to air and water, good, clean, quality air and water, it's bees and trees that keep this planet going. So much of our food is produced because of bees, and uh, to educate everyone on that uh, subject is important. I think people always want to know what they can do to help the problem. And my first response is always, uh, you know, grow a pollinator garden. I know Charles Wilkin is a beekeeper, and he, and he always taught me about, in the springtime, don't cut the dandelions. Bees emerge from the hive, and they're hungry, and they're the first things in the ground, and they need those dandelions. So is there something you could add to that?
2: Well, the dandelions, I love that part of the story because... People debate dandelions in certain circles, like it's an invasive plant or something. But it's also the the magnet for the most roundup. Like nobody wants to get down and pick those up. So they just spray roundup into the environment and it's on this dandelion. So for many reasons, leave your dandelions for now. But I always tell people there's so many ways to get involved. One of the things that I find, I get a million emails and requests for money and all of these, sign this petition, and I had to choose. What are the one or two? And I I always say find a person rather than a giant organization. It's good to support a giant organization. I'm working with the NRDC right now. They're really working to change policy on a lot of issues. But sometimes if you find some of the smaller organizations that are doing something and just continuously support them like every month make a small donation because it's the consistency as where there is a large really optimistic number of people with small organizations out there doing work that goes unseen because it doesn't grab the big attention in the big stories But they need people to support them. It's artists. It's musicians even doing this work. It's the small pollinator organization, the tiny farm that's trying to do it differently but is a a nonprofit or whatever. Finding someone and then just following along with them. Get to know them. Like I really think those small connections of getting to know the person you're donating to – can really help. That's helped me as an organization tremendously when certain people are like, okay, you're doing a film now. I've got you. Here's a hundred dollars to jump in with the film. And and they show up again. And it refuels me with my optimism that I'm not alone in this, that we're all in this together, which is really the whole symbol of the beehive. No bee is alone. They're never, they're inextricably connected to their hive. And the more that we learn how important that is for us, the better off we're going to be.
0: I understand completely, um, that's a part of thinking globally and acting locally and know that you're, and everyone on the planet, it really is connected. And I did reconnect with you recently at late July. We were both in the union listening to Mark Randall and Officer Darian Mays. They gave a wonderful presentation about the amazing world of the honeybee. I'd like to include a little bit of that sound clip of the Honey Bee, and I found that very fascinating. Showing up at activities like that, and we're lucky that the union is here to sponsor that, the more you become aware of it, the more you can support it. Mm
2: -hmm. Exactly, and yeah, I loved that event. I was excited to get to meet Darren Hayes. He's someone who came into the work in the same way as me, sort of accidentally. He got involved with bees, and then the police force was like, We need a beekeeper to help capture these swarms. He just stepped into the next right thing, and now he's super knowledgeable about the bees. He's had all this experience. And Mark is a longtime beekeeper 20, 25 years or something. And he actually teaches a class in Parsons, all design based but centers around the hive and the, and the bees. And the things that have happened from that class are amazing. Okay, there was a science teacher in Washington who, when I did a project on their elementary school, I was learning still. And she said something that really stuck with me. Like, the bees, whether it's a mural, whether it's having an ice cream that you're hearing the story about, that this is infused with honey not cane sugar or whatever it is, it's its got a story behind it that you come into connection with, whether it's through taste or sight or whatever. But those things allow people to come to the issues on their own terms. And that was what the science teacher had told me. And I just thought that is so beautiful because we're in this age right now of people telling other people what to do and they think they know better than these other people. and And I think... Anything that allows us to come to it on our own terms has the power to heal. I say this all the time, but the honeybee is the only creature I know of on the planet that we keep, but she remains wild. And she is everyone's for that reason. You know, she can't be harnessed and kept for just you. You're always connected through that bee to everyone else's story about her. And so... That's the essence of my work as an artist, where I try and, like, reinforce that story, you know, for people in a myriad of different ways and in different places. You know, I think that's what's so important about the Bee, and the festival just honors that element of the Bee by bringing people together safely. We're going to watch what COVID's doing, but we're going to, you know, watch and, and make sure we're as safe as possible. But we still get to come together, and I think that's beautiful.
0: I agree with you and I also want to add that you're a beautiful person. I can see in the way you speak and how you speak about this. And I've always gotten that impression of the Bee Festival. It is a swarm of activity in a community, for a community, and it just hums. It hums. Main Street hums with life along the Delaware River. It's a small Delaware River town. It's beautiful and, um, this is one of the things that make it beautiful. And thank you for your work. Thank you for taking the time in your busy schedule to enlighten the community about this event and your part in it.
2: Absolutely. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. I mean, I relocated here. I now live here because it just, I fell in love with this place. Yeah.
0: For Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Rosie Starr with installation and mural artist Matt Willey. For more information on the Narrowsburg Honey Bee Festival, visit the website narrowsburghoneybeefest.com. Here are remarks by Beeline ice cream creator Mark Randall. He gave a presentation on the importance of honeybees at the Union in late July. 70
3: out of the top 100 food crops are pollinated by bees. 90% of blueberries and cherries pollinated by honeybees. 100% of almonds pollinated by honeybees. If there were no honeybees, there would be no almonds. Honeybees contribute over $20 billion to US crop production. In 1947, in the United States, there were approximately 6 million hives. By 2008, that had dropped to 2.4 million. Hmm. Last winter, beekeepers in America lost on average 45.5% of their colonies. Did not make it through the winter. There are a lot of reasons for this. Monoculture is one. Pesticides, the use of pesticides. All kinds of disease, mites and fungi, that have kind of just blossomed within the last 20 or 30 years. And then for commercial beekeepers, the idea of long distance trucking, the way they truck bees around the country to pollinate crops really stressed the bees out. So there are a lot of stresses on bees right now, as there are a lot of stresses on the entire climate that we're dealing with, you know, with climate change. So this is a question that I've always asked myself. How can I support local beekeeping and promote and celebrate honey? Now, I've been a beekeeper here uh, in this area for 20 years. We've had a house up here for 20 years. And we're really blessed with uh, amazing uh, flowers that produce really great honey. So in the spring, the honey that our bees produce is really light, but what the best honey, I think, is the honey that we get in the fall, which is super dark. And that's a, the, 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 a wildflower mixed with a lot of goldenrod and even knotweed. Knotweed makes great honey. I know it's an invasive species, but it makes really good honey. <laughs> so, um, you know, and that's really what inspired me to sort of open beeline ice cream. Because I use sort of, of course, I like to make honey ice cream, but I also you want to use it as a vehicle to promote the importance of honey and beekeeping in our world.
0: This is Farm and Country producer Rosie Starr taking this moment to remember community member Ed Wesley, who passed away in late May this year. Many listeners remember Ed for sharing his knowledge about monarch butterflies. As a participant in the Tustin Heritage Community Garden in Narrowsburg, New York, Ed Wesley pruned buddleia bushes in the pollinator monarch way station on DeMorrow Lane. As a member of the Tustin Heritage Community Garden, I frequently visit the exterior landscape and appreciate the company of monarch butterflies, bumblebees, and honeybees in their important roles as pollinators. Thank you, Ed, and thank you to all the Tustin Heritage Community Garden members for your work that continues to make an important impact on the health of our community in the Delaware River Valley. Hope that you enjoyed our show this week, produced by volunteers Keith Hubbard and Rosie Starr. Special thanks goes to our guests Matt Willie and Mark Randall, sharing their enthusiasm on the importance of honeybees. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening to Farm and Country on Radio Catskill.
3: Radio Catskill,
0: keeping you connected
3: with our local public affairs show, The Local Edition. Total reported confirmed cases of COVID-19 is lower than it was in the previous week. Weeknights at 6.30. Right now, only 16% of the teacher population